Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the Danny Klinkscale Reasonably Irreverent Podcast. Insightful and witty commentary, probing interviews, and detours from the beaten path. Welcome to Monday Musings, Danny Sports Wrap. Well, we didn't get just a little shred of normalcy over the weekend. We perhaps got a snack even. Not a full meal. Certainly we're not all the way back, and we shouldn't be all the way back. But we actually had live sports, and it seemed fitting that the start of live sports in golf, in soccer, in NASCAR, returns in some cases, uh, coincided with the last part of what has consumed America and filled in for America's sports taste over the last five weeks, month plus, in lieu of live sporting events, and that was The Last Dance, the documentary about Michael Jordan, which concluded with episodes 9 and 10 last night. And for me, my Sunday also included an actual cocktail party. Well, not a cocktail party, but a little cocktail gathering in a breezeway. Some friends of my wife and me gathered there at social distancing, actually air toasting and not on a Zoom call. So we actually got a lot of things to sort of fill our time and fill it a little bit more satisfyingly as we try to move ahead, try to move ahead safely. And in some cases, I'm not so sure we're getting uh, good news in that direction, but it is nice to get out and actually talk to people and laugh and, and do it where you can see their faces, their real faces, that are just a few feet away from you, and uh, that was certainly fun. But we did get live golf, such, a, such as it was. It was fun to see. It was more fun maybe to see the course. Uh, we did get NASCAR, and I've got some thoughts about which sports are more attuned to being in this current environment of having no fans on hand and only watching on television. That's all part of a little more bright edition of Monday Musings, Danny Sports Wrap, and it starts up. With a bang, next. We're here with Joe Spiker, the CEO and president of Easton Roofing. And Joe, you had a great year in 2019, a record year. 2020 comes, things are moving smoothly along, and then the coronavirus comes. But your company seemed to be very ready, very proactive, and very ready to serve your customers well. Yeah, we adopted social distancing very early, before the cities even put out the notices and we started working from home. We are largely cloud-based as a company, so that transition was easy. Our technicians are wearing masks and gloves, and salespeople are not meeting with homeowners. We're doing everything digitally and doing everything we can to do our part to get over this as quickly as possible. So for any needs that people have right now, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, you can always call us, 913-257-5426. But the best way is to go to eastonroofing.com, put your information in, and we'll give you a call. Easton Roofing. 
Integrity matters. Hi, this is Matt Llewellyn from 23rd Street Brewery. Thank you, Kansas City, for supporting all the local restaurants during this time of crisis. Starting Thursday, May 21st, the 23rd Street Brewery will be open from 11 to 9 for carryout and delivery service and 4 to 9 for dine-in and patio service, if you can believe that. We're open. During this phase, we will adhere to the Douglas County recommendations for restaurants and please see our website or our Facebook page for details. Most importantly, we want all of our guests and staff to stay safe and together we will all get through this. My friends at Advanced Sports and Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture are among the most accomplished and trusted clinics in the nation. Only one clinic has been rated in the top five in all three categories of chiropractic care, acupuncture, and rehabilitation, and that clinic is ASFCA. They have locations in Olathe, Overland Park, Prairie Village, Belton, and Lee Summit. Doctors Brad and Christina Woodle and their accomplished team of doctors and therapists will treat you like family, for the simplest of injuries to the most complicated conditions to avoid surgery. Whether you are seeking treatment for an injury or just looking to stay healthy and fit, this is the place for you. And it's been the place for me for almost two years now. I've been a strenuous daily exerciser for years, and as time goes on, that takes its toll. But regular appointments at Advanced Sports and Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture have helped keep me ticking on, and even as the years pile up, their regular care has allowed me to keep to my regimen and feel great. If you want to feel the same, give them a call or visit them at asfca.com Danny. They accept all insurances and are open Monday through Saturday. And make sure to mention that Danny Klinkscale recommended Advanced Sports and Family Chiropractic and acupuncture. If you'd like to join these and other great sponsors and market your business to a growing and engaged audience, contact us at danny at dannyclinkscale.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back. And as I mentioned, it probably was fitting that the last couple of episodes of The Last Dance came on a day when, indeed, there was live sports. The Bundesliga returned on Saturday, so it was the first weekend, but NASCAR came back at Darlington with Kevin Harvick with a victory. Uh, Golf was played as Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson defeated Matthew Wolf and Ricky Fowler in a skins game, and uh, we just got ourselves a little taste of some things that we hadn't had in a long, long time, and we did it in a way that we're going to have to become extremely familiar with, and that is with no fans in the stands. I'll get to that in a minute, but why don't we start at the end, not the beginning. It was the end of the last dance, and I, I have to admit that on a Sunday where I not only watched some golf live, then went to the little party I talked about, then watched a little more golf, then watched World on Fire, the final episode of the series on PBS concerning the early stages of World War II in Europe, then watched a Buster Keaton documentary with my wife, then watched a little bit more golf, then watched the two episodes of The Last Dance, and then finished off the golf right before I dozed off in my vibrating chair downstairs to treat my back. So uh, it was a full Sunday to say the least and not a time where you were actually trying to kill time. You actually were trying to find enough time to, to get the things taken care of. And I'll admit freely that I was not anticipating with a whole lot of excitement the last couple of episodes of The Last Dance. I have found it a very interesting and enjoyable documentary, but to me it is what it is. It's a sports documentary. It's a good one, but it's not as earth-shaking as many people are making it out to be, and maybe it's because I'm a little older and I've lived through the Michael Jordan era and there's no revelations really to me, Uh, but I ended up enjoying 
episodes 9 and 10, perhaps as much as any of the episodes, and I think a little bit more, and I was surprised at it, but I think what it was is because it was more really about sports and games and setting the stage for important games. And yes, there were some insights behind the scenes and some news that we hadn't heard before, but uh, it was mostly, here's game one, here's game two, here's game three, and Michael Jordan's got to come back and and win game four and uh, press conferences and the like. And so uh, maybe that's why I liked it. Maybe a simpler one and maybe a less revealing with less broad strokes in it than some of the other episodes uh, fit me a little bit better. But some of the notes from uh, The Last Dance, certainly the way episode nine started out with Reggie Miller was really fun because Reggie Miller is a, is a very brash person in his own right, but somewhat likable in, in the way that he just forthrightly embraces the fact that he feels like he's pretty damn great and talked about not being afraid of Michael Jordan, but completely giving him his due when he got burned in the second half of a a game after he had uh, dominated the proceedings in the first half. That was a lot of fun, and it was a good way to kick it off. Among the most compelling things in the entire documentary was the segment on Steve Kerr and the death of his father and the revelation that he and Michael Jordan really never talked about, the fact that they had something incredible in common, incredibly tragic, that both of their fathers were murdered. And I think it's another indication of the single-minded focus of Michael Jordan that that particular topic isn't something he wanted to explore with Steve Kerr, even though it was something that they completely had in common, an incredible bond that uh, could have been there, but really wasn't explored that much. It was just sort of quietly known that that goes on. And I didn't remember that Dennis Rodman took off during the finals to go be a wrestler for a day and slam a chair over somebody. But that was so typically Rodman, it was sort of tossed off as, well, that's Dennis being Dennis. And when game time comes, he's going to be back. And and that's, uh, that's just the way it is. And now we know also that the flu game that's so famous for Michael Jordan scoring 38 points while being deadly sick is not really the flu. It was food poisoning for a pizza he ate. And perhaps there's some shenanigans that went on there. Who's to say? Um, He was the only one who ate any of the pizza. He ate the whole thing. And uh, so it was food poisoning, not the flu. I have never had the flu, but... I have had food poisoning, and the way that people describe the flu to me is seemingly that food poisoning is sort of basically a 24-hour version of, of getting the flu. Uh, that's, that's the way it has always seemed when people have described or I've been around people who have the flu. Uh, that's what food poisoning was to me, and I can't even imagine. I mean, I remember one time I had the flu during my running streak, and I somehow managed to have a window of about a half an hour where I got out and did my run because I wanted to get it, take care of the streak. But that was almost a miracle I did that, and that was like 25 or 30 minutes. He played an entire basketball game at top speed. That's pretty remarkable, but uh, that was one more bit of news there. But in the end, I think we got what we expected, and we saw the last shot and, and all that. And I think we also all expected that we would not see any Washington Wizards action, and we did not. It ended with the last dance, the last shot, and appropriately so. And some of the little sound bites at the end, I think, were absolutely appropriate as well. This was really good sports documentary making. I'm hearing some of the uh, aftermath this morning. And people are calling it one of the most remarkable documentaries of all time. If you want to talk about sports, I guess I might agree with it, but I'm not going to put it in the pantheon of the Civil War by Ken Burns or something like that. But still, it was for for a 
younger generation, it was a history lesson. For an older generation, it was a bit of nostalgia. And in the end, uh, I'm glad I liked episodes 9 and 10 the most because it'll give me a better feeling on, I think, what was certainly an overblown reaction to this documentary, but I think it was kind of fitting for our times because there weren't games to consume and go on. Well, there were some games to consume and go on on this weekend, and the three sports that we saw get into action on the weekend, I think, have different levels of our acceptance and what it means to watch games with no fans. I think NASCAR might be the sport that is the most attuned to not having fans in the stands, the one that is least affected. When you watch the product on TV, and I normally only watch snippets of NASCAR races these days, but I wanted to make a point of seeing it and what the vibe was like and everything, and it really was pretty much like just watching a regular race. You usually can't even half hear the fans. There's still all the noise of the racing. There's still the in-car cameras. Uh, I think that product for, for television is about as good as it gets as far as the sports is concerned. I hardly think the fans are missed in that particular sport. I'm sure the fans who go are probably screaming uh, at their computer or their phone right now, but empty seats on a gigantic track look you know, with cars whizzing around it look kind of the same as a television product and actually most of the camera action is close-up action anyway and, and most of the time the fans really aren't even visible so I think that race won by Kevin Har- Harvick and pretty exciting race and at an iconic track like Darlington I think it was a great TV product and I think NASCAR maybe has the best situation for their TV product we've heard some rumblings and I'll have to see how this turns out if they do it that they might have virtual fans in the stands sort of like CGI'd when we get to football I'm not so sure that that sounds like the greatest idea in the world to me but we'll see how they pull it off and what it seems like and if they do it in the end but NASCAR returns and I think they've got something good there because uh, the fans are almost superfluous uh, on that television product. On the other hand, soccer, I think, is the sport that is the most affected by not having fans in the stands. Absolutely. The atmosphere at a soccer game is unique to that sport. Uh, Many of the fans stand and sing and wave flags the entire time. In Germany, where the Bundesliga resides, obviously, is the highest attended league in the world in any sport. Uh, They routinely have multiple stadiums that hold 80,000 fans that are full all the time. Borussia Dortmund, who played the game yesterday that was on television and won it four to nothing, they they have a stadium that seats over 80,000 fans. They sell it out on a routine basis. And the whole atmosphere for the games was incredibly flat. The play, I thought, was was pretty good. Uh, But it just seems so much less... It seems like a high school product of sorts, not the play itself, but, you know, there's just no, there's nobody there. There's no noise. There's no singing. Uh, it, it really, uh, soccer's really affected. Not that I didn't watch it and, and enjoy the play, but I think as a television product for soccer, they might be most impacted of any sport, uh, but we'll have to see when the other ones rev, rev up. For golf, you might have thought that that was kind of a natural for no fans. Yes, we got some insights uh, from the players because they were mic'd up and, and, and there was some good fun banter between Rory McIlroy in general. He was the best banterer of the four golfers. Uh, but the real show was the Seminole Golf Course, which most people haven't seen before and is routinely ranked in the top 10 in America as far as uh, 
as far as golf courses are concerned. So it's kind of a secret hidden gem of a Donald Ross course. And it was great to see that uh, Lynx land right next to the ocean, but with some elevation and uh, really kind of a cool looking golf course and the dunes coming into play. So that to me was kind of the star of the show. Uh, The play was a little scratchy. Ricky Fowler got it going eventually and was probably the best player out there. There are enough bad shots that you realized how golfers, no matter how good they are, need tournament play and intense practice to sort of be sharp the first two holes four great professional golfers had wedge shots into the green and they made no birdies now eventually they got things going a little bit better and in the end they had to figure out a way to uh, give out all the skin so they just did it with the closest to the pin which I guess we all can kind of identify with and the last shot was the one that won it so there was a A nice last there as well. And, of course, next week we'll have the combination of celebrity uh, with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods in a similar type match, although they are going to play a different format there, not skins, uh, one that I think will be more conducive to competition and and things like that. So that'll be fun to see too. But uh, the no fans aspect, that that was affected too as far as uh, the golf was concerned. And one thing I also can say about watching a golf match with four players, one group, they probably, if they were going to do this multiple times over and over again, I think you at least need two groups out there uh, to to create some kind of competition. I don't know whether you you could play skins for that matter. But when you have all that dead time, uh, it it does create a, a little bit of difficulty. And certainly the players were chatting and things like that, but there needed to be more golf shots. And we are so attuned to uh, a tournament where they're going bang, 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 switching from one thing to another uh, to just see uh, four guys hit a shot and then wander down the fairway. Now, these are fast players. That was one good thing. I mean, if we had Bryson DeChambeau and somebody like that out there and four guys like that, it would have been interminable. But these guys are like, hitting the trigger almost as soon as the ball landed on the green of the other player. So it was a pretty good product. It was reasonably enjoyable, but uh, there's a couple things that need to be tweaked there. And I think fans are missed in golf too, to create that excitement when uh, somebody makes a big putt or gets a big shot, the big roars that come up. Uh, So we're dipping our toe back in the water. I'll give uh, NASCAR close to an A as far as what their product seems like. I'll give the golf tournament and I'll have to see a real tournament to uh, make my judgment I'll give that kind of a, a nice B and soccer not for the play and it's great to have soccer back and Germany's probably providing a template for other leagues as well but I'm going to say that uh, when you're watching it the flatness the no crowd that's kind of a, a C for me there a few other notes in the world of sports to chat about as well we'll check on those coming up as we continue with our Monday Musings, Danny Sports Wrap. We certainly are glad to be talking about things besides just the coronavirus and actual games on the field, and that'll continue to ramp up over the next few weeks, but we got it started over the weekend. More of Danny's Reasonably Irreverent podcast after this. We're visiting with Larry Marshall, former Chiefs defensive back and punt returner and now a Chiefs ambassador. Larry is a former pro football player with the aches and pains that come with that and moving on in age as we all are. What do the Canaway CBD products do for you? It's been a great relief for me being a uh, punt and kickoff returner. Collisions were a uh, mainstay of my career, and these uh, Canaway products, the salve especially, has really helped me try to get through every day with the aches and pains that I've had over a career of uh, seven-plus years in the NFL. 
I get similar benefits as well, particularly with my back. Certainly wasn't a football player. What's the best way for our listeners to get more information about the great products themselves? Well, I'm so enthused about it, Dana. If they just contact me at LarryMarshall.Canaway.com, and I can give them all the information they need to uh, help them get through the day as well. Start gaining all the benefits that Larry and I do from the trusted and reliable line of Canaway products. As Larry said, visit LarryMarshall.Canaway.com and get information on all the great products from Canaway. For many people, a family law case will be one of the most difficult experiences in their life. The law firm of Kenneth McRae will help you through it. Personal and effective help from Ken in concert with you will develop a unique strategy for your unique case. As Ken always says, divorce can be civil law, not civil war. Licensed in Kansas? Visit McRaeLawOffice.com or call 913-972-4765. Cinematic Visions has been an affordable solution for professional media production in Kansas City since 2003, offering award-winning video production and creation, as well as a wide array of digital and social media management services. From planning, scripting, filming, editing, and post-production to delivering your product to a watching world, Cinematic Visions will provide professional and affordable services for you and your business with the necessary return on investment to make it all worthwhile. Cinematic Vision's goal is to unlock the power of storytelling through video and a strong online presence for your company. Beyond the numbers, they want to inspire and evoke your clients to feel and act. Let my friends at Cinematic Visions embed your brand where it belongs, in your customers' minds. You can find them online at cinematicvisions.com or with a quick phone call at 816-600-6300. If you'd like to join these and other great sponsors and market your business to a growing and engaged audience, contact us at danny at dannyclinkscale.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Monday Musings, Danny Sports Wrap, and a little bit of baseball news. Baseball is testing the waters again as far as things are concerned. This time their safety proposal, which was either leaked or gathered by some reporters. It seems like the owners are doing most of the leaking these days of different proposals, and it includes the type of things that you would absolutely expect for this. No spitting, uh, more glove use, things like that. There is strong imprimata against fighting. They don't want physical contact with players. Uh, There's the thought that there's going to be some retaliation type of stuff for the Astros and the Red Sox, and I think they're trying to avoid some of that and and the bad look that would be for baseball. But I think it is an indication of where we're at that this uh, safety proposal, which obviously is up for negotiation, is just a small part of what we need to get back to perhaps training in mid-June before hopefully around the 4th of July playing baseball was 67 pages long. Uh, So there's a lot of detail to be gleaned there and We'll see how that goes, but it's going to be the the financials that baseball is talking about, the fact that they lose $640,000 per game uh, in fan revenue. Sounds low to me, but anyway, we do have a long way to go before we get to play, but the more games we see and the more events we see that are being played and contested and fans aren't there and there's no negative real fallout, uh, I think the closer we are to a return for sports like baseball and uh, a summertime where Actually, we can watch baseball games in the sunshine on television, and we'll see how that product looks with no fans in the stands also. That's going to probably have a a real empty feel too, but baseball's a quieter game. Uh, Although watching uh, a pitch being delivered and there's no fans behind the plate, it'll look like kind of a game at 1 o'clock in the morning after a rain delay, but we've seen that in baseball, so perhaps it will be a little bit more familiar. 
We still had our share of esports, and uh, over the weekend, a Sporting Kansas City player was in the spotlight, if you can call it that, uh, as the EMLS tournament was played. And Juan Cousin was a, a runner-up with his esports partner representing Sporting Kansas City. So we still are delving into that. I think we will rapidly see things like those esports go away uh, as far as television product is concerned. That's not going away, period. And I think that more and more people actually do consume that as a television product or a streaming product. Uh, but as far as being a prominent uh, aspect of it, uh, of our landscape uh, on ESPN or regular Fox or FS1, uh, that's probably going to be a thing of the past here soon, we think, unless things obviously turn around and, and go back to a situation where we have to lock things down again. But uh, kind of a fun little note there as well. And kind of a odd and goofy note to say the least a south korean south korean baseball obviously has gotten to be a real topic of conversation because they're actually playing baseball and people have actually picked favorite teams and and things like that however then you get this kind of fallout when you're trying to create an atmosphere in a sporting venue and here it is Leading South Korea club FC Seoul apologized to fans after inadvertently substituting supporters in the stands with sex dolls during their one nothing win over Guangzhou FC on Sunday. While the season started on May 8th, fans are not allowed in stadiums because of the coronavirus outbreak. For Seoul's first home game, around 20 mannequins, many holding banners and all wearing masks, were spaced evenly around the seats behind the goal usually occupied by the game's most active fans. As the game progressed, however, Korean social media started to light up as it became apparent to viewers that these mannequins, supplied by a local company, Dalcom, whose CEO is a Seoul fan, looked very much like sex dolls. In addition, some mannequins held signs offering measures of support to players and the team that seemed to reference adult content streaming sites. Seoul said there had been a misunderstanding with the supplier and it had been told the dolls were not for adult use. Well, isn't that dandy? So uh, kind of a funny story out of Seoul, Korea, as they have to apologize. If anybody was offended, the standard line that you have to say, I don't know sometimes how big companies like baseball clubs and everything else end up making mistakes like this. And uh, that's just a funny one right there. And We'll see if uh, uh, others, no doubt, will learn from this particular transgression by uh, this, the Seoul baseball team uh, over the weekend. And a final note, of course, for years and years, I worked alongside Kevin Keatsman, and neither one of us is on the radio right now, but uh, I have to give him a shout-out. And, of course, we disagree about many things. Uh, certainly, right now, we probably disagree about one of the major topics that's uh, on the table that doesn't have anything to do with sports, but we do have a common bond in our love of the game of golf. And many, many times through the years, Kevin was ruining the fact that he had never made a hole-in-one, and he is a pretty accomplished golfer, and he's a better golfer than I am now. I used to be better than him, but now he is decidedly better than me. He routinely shoots in the 70s as a good player, and he, but he had never made a hole-in-one. And this once again came into focus in 2015 on a day off when I was able to call in to the show in the middle of the afternoon, having just made my third hole-in-one. 
Uh, I was just playing around at Painted Hills, uh, and that cute little golf course over in Kansas City, Kansas, because it was going to rain, and it did rain, and I just didn't want to make the drive and go. It was very close to my house, and I knew that if I got washed out, uh, it wouldn't be as much of an effort. So anyway, I played golf and done the, I think it's the third hole, I believe, the par three. I made a hole in one. Fortunately for me, the circumstances of my holes in one have been very fortunate because in all three cases, I was playing golf by myself that day for that round. And in each case, by some circumstance, I had a witness to the holes in one, which really wouldn't count if you didn't have anybody to see it. In this particular case, somebody who was playing the previous hole, which is a par five, uh, and adjacent had hit his ball well off the fairway on that hole and onto my hole. And he had to wait for me to hit my tee shot in order to go play his shot back into play. And that was when he saw the hole in one. But this is not about me. This is about Kevin. <laughs> so anyway, even that just reinforced it. And he says, I'm never going to make one. And, and, and this is a disaster. And by this point in time, of course, he's a much better player than I am. I'm still okay, but not, not as good as he is. And, uh, but he hadn't made one. And he also lives right next to a par three hole and gets and sees people make holes in one and celebrate. Well, anyway, yesterday at Canyon Farms on a hole that has tortured me through the years, I played there many, many times, the 15th hole there. Uh, Kevin hit a seven iron, 166 yards into the cup. It was on Twitter, and uh, I was at exchange texts with him uh, yesterday and congratulated him. And it's just for a golfer, and, and especially one for, for a you know, a pretty good golfer, uh, to not have made a hole-in-one is, is something that uh, is a burr in someone's saddle because all kinds of ple- people who aren't very good golfers make holes-in-one. And a little congratulation to uh, Kevin for putting that in on a hole that, I'll tell you what, I haven't even come close to making a hole-in-one. I don't think I've even made a birdie on that hole. Uh, for whatever reason, there's certain holes that get in your head, and that's one for me. And I've hit the ball in the hazard there about as many times as I've hit it on the green. And he did not hit it in the hazard. He hit it in the hole. And uh, congratulations to him. And congratulations to all golfers out there who have the experience of uh, making a hole-in-one. It's really a cool thing, and it's a cool thing to do it uh, for instance, on a hole like that where you absolutely positively can uh, see the ball go in the cup. It's a raised green and uh, very visible from the tee. So that little fun sports note as well as we continue to get back into talking about sports and fun games and even uh, sex dolls in Korea. Well, it's all part of the mix today on Monday Musings, Danny Sports Wrap on the Reasonably Irreverent Podcast right here. Join me all the time right here for all the different kind of content we do, including our Monday visits that we are starting to get more and more sports enjoyment out of. This podcast was made possible by our great sponsors like Easton Roofing, the presenting sponsor of Kansas City Profiles at the Danny Kling Scale Reasonably Irreverent Podcast. Easton Roofing where integrity matters. We hope you enjoyed the latest Danny Kling Scale Reasonably Irreverent Podcast. Come back soon for something fresh and new. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.